Welcome to Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between Washington politics and the auto retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode of Beltway Talk is brought to you by AIADA Affinity Partner Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. Since 1997, Federated has partnered with AIADA to provide its members superior business insurance and risk management solutions. Find out more at AIADA.org. Today I'm talking to AIADA's 2020 Chairman, Jason Quarter of Bellevue, Washington. He's joining us today to talk about his tenure as AIADA Chairman during a very turbulent year for our industry, how auto dealers have succeeded in a challenging environment, and what's ahead as he looks to 2021. Welcome back to Beltway Talk, Jason. Thanks for having me again. Cool. Um, well, let's start off by talking broadly about your year as chairman. Um, what are some of the highlights you'd like to share with listeners since you took the helm last February in Las Vegas? Well, first off, wow, it's only been a year. I can't <laughs> believe it. Uh, I, I know since we talked last, we were right in the midst of uh, dealing with some of the pandemic and COVID issues. I know, uh, too, as well, just the idea of, uh, of our state and what's going on. And uh, everyone kind of felt that throughout the year. Uh, but, you know, a couple things uh, as we set out after Las Vegas, what was really important is that everyone could have a uh, congressional visit. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we know the pandemic and COVID really made it tough for anyone to go to the Hill. And I'm just so happy with the team of, of what we've developed to be able to put in front of, uh, you know, how we're going to do business going forward, even from selling cars online, now we can do a dealer congressional visit online mm-hmm. uh, uh, coming out, which I just think is just state of the art and uh, what the team's done there to uh, help make that happen has just been positive. The other thing too, that, you know, just not expecting how this, uh, you know, how these changes occur, but our COVID auto talk series, when you see the group of affinity partners that we have, and we bring up the issue, whether, uh, you know, whether it was dealing with the PPP loans, whether it was dealing with the economy, whether it was dealing with, uh, should we sell off our used cars or buy used cars? We always had an answer and it was timely. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, without it being expected coming home from Vegas, you know, you look at, okay, what's needed now and just how quickly things, you know, just came into play and what our affinity partners did to, to dive in and help out has just been great this year. I'm actually really, really happy with how uh, this year is going to end up. And as we move forward into 21, uh, you know, I think we're in a good position. Yeah, definitely. And I know I will get into that a little bit later of just kind of how you had to shift your mindset. Um, but I know you have dealerships in Bellevue, Washington. So early on, you were really at the epicenter of COVID um, before everyone else. Explain for listeners what you encountered in late February, early March timeframe, and how you dealt with COVID in its initial stages here in the U.S. Sure, yes. Uh, co- coming back, I, I kind of remember the day uh, around early March, March 5th, uh, and we had a fellow uh, dealer in the uh, Kirkland market uh, that kind of had a little bit of a somewhat of an outbreak. And we had a life care center where I I even think the uh, major news stations were out here talking, uh, you know, giving daily updates about what was happening in a life care center. Uh, You know, what was amazing was just how quickly uh, the response was to deciding on how to keep a very clean facility. That, That was the first and foremost. Okay. 
and, and going through the checklist of items, you know, I, I learned about uh, what Clorox offered. I learned about, you know, fogging techniques and, and having to do that weekly. You know, that, that's one thing we still continue to do today at both of our stores, one in Kirkland, one in Bellevue, is we fog weekly. And it, I mean, it kills all the germs, uh, you know, on the surfaces that are there. Uh, we were able to prevent, we, we really had only had one case of COVID between the two stores from March up until roughly about uh, maybe about a month ago where some, some okay. more infections started showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, you know, learning how to uh, have a clean facility, learning how to deal with also to uh, staff members that, you know, when they, when they had, if, if they were experiencing how to develop to make sure that they could uh, apply for employee benefits, what were some of the benefits that we had, you know, in play that they could utilize. You know, we put a lot of these things that maybe some people take for granted uh, and say, hey, you go along with the flow. Uh, we learned a lot how to use a lot of benefits uh, this year to make sure that I think we're going to be, uh, again, poised for a, another great future uh, with the things that we've learned through this whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, would you say that your pandemic response has shifted throughout 2020, kind of as you've learned more, um, as our industry has learned more? And if so, how? Well, you know, it, it was interesting because early on, uh, our governor instituted a shutdown. It was called Stay Home, Stay Safe Order, uh, mm-hmm. which really had us all shut. So up until about May 5th, uh, our facilities were closed. We, we experienced you know, we've been in business for over 40 years at one location. We've never experienced a loss before, and we did in the month of April. Uh, and, and our volume was down, and, and we had staff on standby uh, getting ready to come back. I know when it was first open, we went into a four-phase process, uh, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, where phase four would be being able to go to a concert or a live uh, uh, sporting event. Uh, we never, through summertime, got past phase two in our county. Uh, so that still had a lot of restrictions with it. Uh, when you think of restrictions, you're thinking of restaurants. Can they have capacity inside or is it only outdoor seating? Things like that. We just never really got over the hump there, even with infections coming down. We recently, two weeks ago, just found out that we now are kind of back to what I call a phase 1.5, where there's still more restrictions of people being uh, uh, inside. And what I've noticed there is we have the game plan that we've developed since March into April that we kind of had to re-educate everyone again that, hey, you know, we're open. You know, the, uh, we are considered essential because a lot of the people uh, too as well that need to get, especially our first responders that need to get to work, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we need to have our service facilities open to be able to deal with that or maybe replace a car. People are still, ac- you know, getting in accidents and some of those people need to replace their cars. So we do, uh, what I've noticed, we've had to re-educate people uh, about what we're doing uh, to keep our facilities clean, that's going to be ongoing. And what I'm excited about is if we can take things like the flu, for instance, and minimize that as we go forward once the vaccine is here for COVID, uh, if we can minimize even some flu uh, infections as well going forward, I just think it's going to be a big benefit for everybody. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And um, what about um, your employees? I know in speaking with you in the spring, like a lot of dealers, you were going to great lengths to preserve the morale and help your employees as much as possible, even while some were furloughed and whatnot. Um, can you share more about that with listeners? On a, you know, 
when you, when you bring that up, one of the things that always concerns me too, as well, is you know the staff comes in on a daily basis. They work hard. Uh, they they want to do the right thing. We've been around for forty years. It, it, it's come to you know be expected of the service that we provide in the marketplace. But I also know with it, you know, they have their questions and concerns. Are, are their kids going to be going back to school? Uh, you know, what about their their mm-hmm. spouse? You know, are they working? Have they been laid off? There's just been a lot of emotions that are there. So we we, we developed this plan with a with a group that we work with that's helped out our company uh, over the years. And he developed this whole process of positive self-talk, okay, take the negative and turn it into positive, but also dealing with anxiety. It's one of the issues we hadn't dealt with a lot uh, on, on how do you deal with it? What are some of the tools that you can use that when you're feeling a certain kind of emotion or level of anxiety, uh, breathing techniques, for instance, you know, sometimes just taking that time out in your car and knowing that you're, you're reaching a high level and, you know, Hey, we're dealing with it. This, these are new things that I'm not educated to deal with on a daily basis, but you know, we have resources. And uh, like I said earlier, you know, using some of these resources that are, you know, part of our benefits package, you know, let's bring them in, let's give them the opportunity, kind of like the COVID auto talk, you know, with our affinity partners, there's someone that's a lot better than I, okay, to be able to give the information that, that they know a lot about. And so at that time with, for the right time in, in the summertime there, we just felt it was the right time for people to start dealing with some of these issues uh, that were personally affecting them and, and, mm-hmm. and provide them the tools necessary they can so they can cope better and, and, and be better at home and make sure they can be positive because as we come out of this, uh, we'll be a lot better off uh, with some of these tools. And I'm um, just kind of slightly changing gears a little bit. I know, obviously, all of that being said, that 2020 has looked far different than any of us planned for or expected. Um, and I know you took over as chairman with a certain set of goals that quickly, you know, you had to pivot can you tell us about how you shifted your mindset and goals early on in your chairmanship to account for all this unprecedented, um, this unprecedented pandemic? You know, it's that, that's kind of an easy one to talk about because early on in Vegas, part we we had the uh, acceptance of the uh, chairmanship, accepting the gavel. You know, kind of some of the comments that we had to deal with with the impending uh, trade section two thirty two tariffs uh, that were still lo- looming. I didn't realize that this statement of dealers will survive, dealers will thrive, uh, how now we deal with the pandemic. I mean, you look at all the things that we've had to go through this year and switch gears quickly. That statement from that speech uh, in Las Vegas was very paramount and lived with me all year. And and I kept Mm -hmm. knowing that in in any face of adversity, all the dealers that I've uh, come in touch with, talked to throughout the year, that comment still resides with me. Okay, dealers will survive, dealers will thrive. And I, and, and I know coming out of this, uh, that statement lives true. Tell us something we might not know about what it's like to be AIADA's chairman. Well, one of the things that's been very important for me this year, uh, it's really been an honor to work with a lot of those that I looked up to early in my career in the business. Uh, my, my father uh, brought me into AIADA and one of the statements he always says, this is what we do, this is who we are. Uh, when I asked, mm-hmm. okay, hey, you know, we, we sell cars, we sell service, you know, you know, we do that. And he says, yeah, that's part of it. But giving back to something that's greater than yourself, 
which is what this industry ha has provided our family through three generations. This is who we are. This is what we do. Uh, I really felt that this year, you know, and, and, and trying to uh, see those uh, to get more involved in the process. This isn't something that just happens overnight. And we need to remind people that as we have this changeover uh, in presidency, you know, going forward, the work is always there in front of us. We have a whole new legislature and, and people to communicate about uh, why our small businesses and our communities matter. That work will never stop. And what's exciting is to see still the desire of the people that I grew up looking up to still have that hunger today. Uh, to make sure that that passion's there. And that's, you know, it's been pride. It's been a lot of pride this year, I can tell you that. Are there ways that you see our industry changing or shifting permanently, Jason, as a result of what dealers have dealt with this year? You know, there's probably a lot that I couldn't list here. But the ones I would have to say that really come to mind first off is just the whole online experience mm -hmm. uh, that th this really pushed a lot of dealers uh, forced their hand uh, uh, on that experience. And I think a lot of dealers have seen a lot of benefits from that. Uh, how about even f your facility arrangements? Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe you had some outdoor areas that you could use to uh, sign customers up or test drives or, or receive uh, you know, for, for service write-up. So you're just your facility arrangement, how you have your, your dealership flow is probably something. Uh, marketing, you know, how, how you market, you know, the messaging, I, I would say predominantly this year is that you're a safe, clean facility to come to and, and, and talk and, and tout about the messaging, uh, all the things that you do to keep your staff safe, your clients safe, uh, therefore, you know, the community safe. Uh, the things like inventory planning, you know, how, how you forecast out what your certified cars are going to be, what your rental fleet's going to be, even your new cars. And so some of the factories, if they had COVID uh, throughout the year, you know, uh, you had to figure out what kind of new cars you're going to take and what was the period of time that you might be without cars uh, over a period of months. Staffing was an obvious one. Expense control. Uh, I'm, I, and I'm sure there's a lot more that I could talk about, but I know for us, those ones are probably the uh, the big ones. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, kind of shifting gears again, I know that you have long been an advocate for all the great things dealers are doing in their communities. Um, and for me watching it, I think that became more important this year as dealers dealt with shutdowns and changing marketplace and still found time and resources to help their communities. Um, can you tell us about what you've seen from fellow dealers who are reaching out right now and why it's so important that we spread the word about the great things they're doing? Well, you know, our, our staff at AIADA this year came up with the hashtag dealers do good. And it, it, and it was so, I mean, it was so appropriate because whether it's a COVID now or, or some very, you know, a lot smaller issue in local communities, this was a way to show why the auto dealers and their smaller communities matter. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, you know, we saw things from food drives to clothing drives especially helping out the first responders that needed us. Uh, there was things like cancer awareness uh, that, that ran. We also had, I hate saying this, but I mean, it's, it's appropriate, but suicide prevention awareness, mm -hmm. uh, you know, dealing with all the anxiety, you know, it's all relevant. And most importantly, it was all local. 
you know, finding mm-hmm. the issues. Uh, my only advice, if, if, if one hasn't done this yet, is, you know, find the issues that matter uh, and, uh, you know, that are most important in your town, you know, and reach out to the professionals that maybe are, are, are seeking ways to get their messaging out, you know, maybe help underwrite an event, uh, uh, an advertising message. It doesn't cost a lot of money, but helping out your community, I think, was a huge issue uh, this year, uh, more than ever, of course. But, you know, just recognizing as we go in the future that dealers do this every single year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and get involved. And, and that messaging still needs to ring true as we go forward. Looking beyond your chairmanship, what are your goals for AIADA after spending a year in this leadership role? You know, I, I know how AIADA was founded. You know, we talk about free trade, you know, and that that's always going to be the message. But, you know, 50 years ago when it's founded and still we have some of the mem- uh, original members that are somewhat involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we lost a we lost a big one this year. in Mr. Bob Rorman, uh, you know, who, who was always involved, uh, uh, you know, even on our board. But, you know, I think about Bob and I, I think about the people that have been involved 30 plus years ago. And I think the main goal that's needed right now. You know, I, like I said, I got involved because my dad said, this is what we do. Uh, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. And our original mentors that I've looked up to, I know probably have family or staff members that they've brought up inside their companies. And as they've moved up, that making sure AIADA and involvement is part of their growth experience going forward. Mm-hmm. And I know that you'll be handing the gavel off to fellow AIADA board member Steve Gates of Kentucky this January. Um what do you think Steve is going to bring to this role and what advice would you offer him? Well, first off, everyone, it seems like everyone gets a nickname and I like to call <laughs> Steve cool hand Steve. And <laughs> as we have new chairs that come in every year, you know, you try and look at, you know, was it the right time for that chair? And it, when I, when I think of Steve, this is a perfect time. And the reason why, when I call him Cool Hand Steve, he can deliver that calm, consistent, and firm message. And it's really needed as we go through a new transition of presidency uh, for the trade issues and what AIADA does to help the small businesses in each of our communities. He's just the perfect fit uh, for 21. Um. Well, Jason, that wraps up most of the questions I had for you. But before we sign off, I wanted to know if there's anything you wanted to add. You know, I sure would. I mean, it's been a great year and a lot of, in a lot of respects to see how hard our team at AIADA works to make sure to get the relevant uh, information uh, to our 9,700 members uh, that are out there across the country. I'd also like to thank our affinity partners, all of them. They've really helped our dealers this year in the COVID auto talk series. You know, very re- we talked about that earlier. You know, it's like I said, from the economy to the cleanliness and all in between. Uh, we really had it covered with the professionals that understand what they do on a daily basis and to give the, the tools necessary uh, uh, to the dealers that and the participants that were on those calls. We had a lot of them, and I, I really feel that uh, they were very relevant and uh, well-received uh, by our group. Absolutely. Well, um, it's been great having you on Beltway Talk, Jason, to talk about your very eventful year as chairman. Um, I look forward to 2021. I'm sure this will not be the last we will hear from you and we'll, you know, keep in touch. 
I look forward to it. Thanks for having me again. That wraps up this episode of Beltway Talk. Thanks for listening in. We're looking ahead to 2021, so please let us know of any topics or guests you'd like to hear from. I can be reached on my email at oliverh at aiada.org. Join us again next time for Beltway Talk.